my name is Adarsh Segal, and I am uh, uh, the head of events and activities here at uh, Hyderabad uh, chapter of ADI. So today, for the third series, heard in the series of uh, talks of Futurescapes, we have for you uh, Nachiket. So before I introduce Nachiket, I'll just like to introduce, uh, talk to you a little bit about ADI. Uh, ADI is Association of Designers of India, and uh, we are sort of we are committed to to create uh, the best in design practices uh, in uh, in, our, in our profession uh, in India. Uh, if you want to know more about uh, ADI, you can log on to uh, adi.org.in. Uh, there are a lot of memberships that are available, uh, which we implore you to check out. Uh, you could also follow us on Instagram, where we post most of our events that are happening. So uh, without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest today. Um, so we have a very special guest today. Uh, Nachiket uh, is the co-founder of, of uh, the award-winning medtech startup called QLabs. Uh, they specialize in the field of emergency and critical care. Uh, and uh, uh, they've also uh, sort of developed a very novel breathing device called uh, SANS, which is basically focusing on uh, newborn breathing support, but uh, which has been adapted to uh, adult uh, adult care, uh, and it's been helping fighting the COVID uh, COVID scene. Currently, uh, Nachiket is joining us from Toronto, Canada, and uh, he's been working uh, for uh, Grand Challenges Canada as an investment manager. And uh, he's been uh, shaping the organization's humanitarian portfolio and uh, sort of finding innovative problems to to very difficult problems. So without further ado, Nachiket, I invite you to sort of share your screen and take over. Thank you so much. Uh, hello and good evening to everybody. I'm Nachiket. I'm the co-founder of uh, Koyo Labs, as was already I was introduced. So thank you so much for that. Uh, the topic today that I want to really uh, discuss with you all and to have a conversation and a dialogue is around uh, interdependency. So what is the future of design and how it is more about interdependency and in acknowledging intersectionality. So what exactly is intersectionality? Uh, it is basically uh, that, you know, everything is connected, but certain people in a group, in a society have, uh, you know, privilege or power or are discriminated because of their gender, their race, uh, the color, socioeconomic status, uh, you know, and a lot many other factors. Uh, and, and that basically is intersectionality, which is basically the overlapping of all these systems together, uh, which, which creates the person or the persona or, or a group of people who we want to design systems for. So, so it's basically saying that, you know, every individual is different and they uh, are made up because of their upbringing and because of their environment around them and the behavior in which they are brought up, uh, their gender, their color, their nationality, their language, their education, uh, and many more such things. Uh, so to start with, if I have to give my LinkedIn profile, uh, I would say I'm Nachiket. I'm an engineer, designer, entrepreneur, uh, you know, an award-winning designer, co-founder of Koyo Labs, now investment manager with humanitarian grand challenges. But in the perspective of intersectionality, the way I would describe myself is this. So I'm an Indian. I'm a Maharashtrian. I'm a heterogeneous male. I'm a Hindu Brahmin. I come from a cosmopolitan city. I have an upper middle class uh, background, also a defense background. I have been educated in a premier institute. So if you summarize my upbringing uh, or the intersectionality here, I would say 
I have a substantial privilege uh, being raised in India and the way I was raised. Also, now that I'm in Canada, I belong to a visible minority. So, so this is basically how I would describe myself in, in the context of intersectionality. And uh, let me start with how intersectionality plays a key role in designing of systems and in the future, how it is going to really be instrumental in designing a better future. So I have come to this conclusion because of my experiences. And uh, let me start that with my story of Koyo Labs. So before I start what Koyo Labs, I, I would want to give a brief intro of what Koyo Labs is. So Koyo Labs, as was described earlier, is a medical device firm, which we started back in 2014, and uh, which basically specializes in emergency and critical care. And we make innovative products for this domain. So three of the products that we have developed till now uh, are as in these slides provided. So the first one that we developed was called SARS. SARS is a neonatal breathing support device, which basically gives breathing support to babies who are in distress. So babies who are not able to breathe properly because their lungs are not properly developed. Uh, so SARS right now, there are 100 devices which are already installed in various hospitals uh, in India. And more than 1000 babies have benefited uh, because of the use of SARS. The second device, which very interestingly happened because of COVID-19, or I would say in response to COVID-19, was a, a different version of SARS we, we called it SARS Pro, uh, and that is basically for the adult population again, to again take care of respiratory distress because of COVID-19. So uh, we kind of pivoted because of COVID-19 and said, what can we do so that we can even help during COVID-19? And we quickly uh, did a turnaround of our design and you know the development and came up with a, a new variant of it. Uh, 300 of these devices are already functional in different COVID ICUs across India, and more than 3,000 patients have benefit benefited with the use of this device uh, till date. Uh, the other device is called VapCare. VapCare is a device to reduce uh, the incidence of a condition called ventilator-associated pneumonia. So this is a hospital-acquired in infection. Uh, very interestingly, and not many people know that hospitals and especially ICUs are a hotbed for new infections. So people who go to the ICUs to get treatment for a primary ailment may get an additional infection when they are in the ICU. And, and these are called hospital-acquired infections. Uh, one of such infection is ventilator-associated pneumonia, which happens in patients who are on the ventilator. Uh, and uh, what, what happens is basically uh, the secretions, oral secretions which are generated, so saliva, mucus, all these go inside the lungs and cause pneumonia in the lungs. And that is called ventilator-associated pneumonia. So our device basically intelligently senses these secretions in the lungs and removes them from the airway before they can reach the lungs. Uh, and we have 20 inf installations of this device and it has saved more than 100 patients uh, till date. So, so this is briefly what we have achieved from 2014 till now. And this is what Koyo Labs has been working on till date. Uh, and I would, I would say I, I'm open to any questions. So keep the questions coming in as they are. So like you don't have to wait for any time for any questions to come in. So I'm open to that. Uh, so let me start with how we kind of started uh, Koyo Labs. I, I, so I don't have a background in uh, medicine as all of you guys know already. I'm an engineer and an industrial designer. And 
so during my diploma project or thesis project in nid uh, i was doing an internship at a company called inaxel who are also uh, koyo labs investors and in fact now we have merged with inaxel uh, so during that uh, initial phase we so me and my co-founder along with four other people did a clinical immersion uh, in a tertiary care hospital in bangalore and it was for two months where we shadowed doctors patients nurses the entire clinical path uh, did interviews with people with patients did a lot of desk research to find out the incidence rates what are the negative outcomes how does you know the progress of a disease happen what what is the final outcome whether patients survived and survive what was the mortality what was the morbidity so many of these things were uh, evaluated uh, and then we kind of came down to about 120 different observations which we called negative observations wherein something negative happened uh, and so to to counter these then we started filtering out because we obviously could not solve 120 different needs uh, we came up with the top 60 needs and then to the top 10 and of of which we've selected two and those are the two devices that you saw in the previous slides so this is how we kind of took uh, this is the approach that we took uh, to to you know start developing devices but you know during this uh, clinical immersion what we realized was that these problems were not just health related problems and and these were very you know complex wicked problems and uh, they were having very complex nature mostly socio cultural or socio economic public health problems uh, you know a lot of things were dependent on how the patient came in what was the culture of the patient what language they spoke what was their economic status what was their education what was their awareness and and many of the outcomes or you know the complications were a part were because of of this background and and that is that is where we i kind of you know i come from that background of saying why intersectionality plays a crucial role and and so all of these things are intertwined so if if we say that we want to solve a healthcare problem it is not a healthcare problem in isolation you cannot just say that i'm going to solve pneumonia we need to know why that pneumonia is happening it is happening in which patients what are the settings where are the patients coming from uh, and and many such things so 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 that is very important and and many of the insights or many of the observations that we came across were at at the periphery or at the outside you know very random to say like one of the examples if i can give you is that uh, diabetic foot amputation so basically patients who are uh, diabetic and and the diabetic Uh, the diabetes has reached to a level where it has caused gangrene in the foot and the foot needs to be amputated uh, there are there are a lot of cases like the, this in india and we kind of saw a lot of these cases but the interesting fact was that uh, these were seasonal and we just couldn't understand why that why during a certain season would you have more cases of you know diabetic uh, food uh, amputations or you know people with having diabetes uh, aggravated diabetes leading to foot amputations so so we kind of dug deeper and we found out that this was the temple of festivals and this was the temple uh, this was the uh sorry season of festivals and this was the season where people used to go to especially old people used to go to temples and they used to go barefoot so people who have diabetes they basically lose sensation in their peripheries so in their arms and in their legs they lose sensation 
and when these people used to go to temples they had to obviously take out their footwear and then go and then they did not really understand that you know there were what was happening with their foot whether they were getting any injuries they were getting any cuts and abrasions and it kind of uh, they kept on going ahead with their life without realizing that you know there there were abrasions and then that caused gangrene and then it led to further complications and then finally foot amputations now if you see this in the entirety now it makes sense but if you just take it out and say you know there the foot amputations is seasonal it doesn't really make sense and and that is where i i kind of come and say that intersectionality and culture and education and the awareness and all these other things you know the race language uh, even gender all these play a very crucial role in in any solution or or in, even in identifying a problem and then to devise a proper solution uh, such uh, one such similar case that uh, came across which was the genesis of sans was a, a premature baby being brought to the hospital in an auto rickshaw now the question is why is a baby coming in an auto rickshaw where is where is the ambul- ambulance and the baby's parents were giving respiration so uh, the bag and mask respiration the ambu bag which is basically a small silicon bag which they can put on the baby's face and pump air this was being provided by the the baby's parents uh, while the baby was being transferred in a uh, auto rickshaw to the hospital now this really shocked us because we didn't really understand where the ambulance why is the baby you know being transferred why can't it happen you know at the setting so so the baby was being transferred from one hospital to the other and then we realized why why is the baby not getting getting the right treatment in the first hospital in the first place uh so that kind of triggered a lot of thought and that kind of led to the you know understanding that these problems are not just clinical these problems have deeper roots these problems are intertwined in the culture that we live the society that we live the economic status of the parent and many such things so the understanding and the final conclusion was that the patients uh, the the baby's uh, parents were not able to afford uh, the treatment in the first hospital and that is the reason they were bringing it to the next hospital secondly uh, the the and and the first the private hospital the first hospital to which they had taken were, the baby was taken was also a secondary referral the baby was being actually transferred from a rural setting now in the rural setting there was though devices were available there were no trained personnel to actually man these devices and to use them effectively and so the baby was being referred so so this was the complexity of the problem uh to which you know one more thing that we realized was 70% of the devices which are used right now in india are imported and they don't really you know target the indian culture they are not meant for the indian masses or the indian healthcare settings uh they are mostly dependent on uh, electricity and dependent on many other peripherals which may not be available in india in many of the settings especially in the rural settings and that is when you know it kind of came up and we kind of made sas so sas is the first multi powered uh cpap so continuous positive airway pressure device that is the terminology used in the medical terms to provide uh, breathing support it has an inbuilt battery and a compressor which works for 2 hours uh, it also has a manual mode 
so in case of a power failure it can work you know without any electricity even without the battery but just by manually pumping the system the skill requirement for this device is minimal uh, and we kind of made it so that even the asha workers or the bhc attendants could use it it has a handle on top and it's just 4 kg so it is light and can be you know transported in most modes of travel in india it has ports to connect to oxygen and to set the flow under pressure it also has a provision to connect to a humidifier so it's basically the air which comes in and goes inside the lungs needs to have certain amount of humidity so that it's it's good for the babies and for the lungs uh, so there is a, there is an additional feature that a humidifier can be connected if required so so these are the features which basically make this device uh, almost agnostic on the environment and it is a self sustained device now the reason why this device was never developed in the western world was because it was never required there and the reason why we didn't have such device was because 70% of the devices are imported nobody really looked at what was real what was really the need the other thing was people who looked at the need were looking again just at respiratory distress as a clinical terminology and not looking at the background of why this is happening so once we dig deeper and found out that these are the reasons the device that we made now is being used in most peripheral hospitals in the phcs and rural hospitals where it is being very effective and we have testimonials from doctors who say that the referral referral rates from their hospitals to tertiary hospitals and neonatal icus has really reduced and patients lives are being saved in the smaller hospitals itself so so this is what i kind of wanted to bring out was that you know the clinical problems are intertwined in the cultural problems and the socio economic problems and you know it's it's like an entire big mess it just needs to be unwinded properly and only then would you be able to you know find out what the real problem is and then to design the right solution for the scene so to see in the future this is going to be even more relevant uh, we would have to acknowledge intersectionality in in whatever we design and whatever uh, design research that we conduct so we need to and identify the age disability religion race sex gender sexual orientation income culture all these things need to be really identified uh, before for a target market before we can actually come down to a solution and and only then can the solution be really effective to be honest uh, you know there there is no one size fits all uh, solution now i mean and i'm not just talking from the public health perspective even in consumer devices even you know in other goods everybody wants individualized products and that can only happen once you know you understand the concept of intersectionality and you kind of empathize at a deeper level uh, on on what an individual is what what are what are the cultural context in which the individual was brought up and you know what are the environments what are the surroundings what are the culture what is the society uh, around that individual or that group of individuals and only then can the right product be built the other thing that i would want to uh, kind of highlight here is the interdependent interdependent or collaborative approach of design which is going to really increase in the years to come so when i started coyol labs i was an industrial designer 100% as i i kind of uh went through my journey i realized 
there are other disciplines which are equally important uh, for a uh, for a product to be successful it has to have a good business plan it has to have good research it has to had have good finance it has to have good engineering it has to have good marketing so so all these other disciplines also play an equal role in uh, in any product as much as design does and there is always an interplay and overlap of design with all these other roles and that is going to increase in the future because if the world is shrinking people are coming together and you know it is becoming one big connected world and in and in, in, in such a world it is it is far more inter- important to have a collaborative approach to design designers being aware of the other fields uh, around them especially the 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 fields of business and finance because at the end of the day uh, products have to sell in the market uh, and at at the end of the day and that is governed by the business i mean it needs design definitely plays a very big role but at the same time designers also need to be very aware of all the other factors which play also an equally important role in the success of a product so so these are the two i guess key takeaways uh, of of my entire journey for the five years and uh, you know to conclude happiness is when you see results so this is one video that we got from one of the doctors in a rural hospital in punjab so so this is you know the final outcome which actually brings the joy and it 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 just makes you know the entire journey the five years spent on a product fruitful it just gives you that satisfaction which you know selling a product or money can never bring you know this is is this is an entirely different level of satisfaction that you get uh, in in developing products which actually save lives or you know which change lives or you know create a big change uh, uh, for the people and i guess that's the end of my slides and i'm open for any questions that you guys would have thank you so much nachika for that inspiring inspiring talk uh, so i had a few questions uh, one question you mentioned like uh, business and finance a uh, sort of knowledge of that being a very critical factor uh, were there any sort of unique business models that you guys had to come up with uh, for to make it affordable to this rural rural hospitals that you were catering oh yes so uh... so the typical business model that uh, you know most of the device industries use is called the razor blade model wherein the device is subsidized uh, and they you know charge for the consumables so this is one model that we used the other model was basically to ensure that you know even in the, in the design stage we always knew what was the target market and we always knew what was the target price point so always keeping in touch with the key opinion leaders knowing what is their uh, you know buying capacity and then designing the product accordingly was something that we started right from the day one and that ensured that our product always remained in the same budget and that ensured that you know people would were able to buy it got it another important sort of i think uh, um um question arises when you're sort of designing medical products is is certification you know like uh, yes. i know a lot of people uh, like i'm a product designer myself and i have friends who are who want to do medical design and create an impact and they always sort of stumble upon this certification and are really like scared so what's your sort of your advice uh, on that front and what sort of certification would uh, did you have to go through 
Yes, so certification definitely plays a big part in medical device design, uh, and and more so because you know these are life-saving devices. You you should not create if you're not able to create any good, you should definitely not create any harm. So that is that is the primary principle behind regulation. Uh, so we had to go through the entire ISO one three four eight five. That is the standards for medical device manufacturing. We had to go through that compliance. We also went through the C certification and the FDA compliance. Uh, it's a long process. All the manufacturing components need to be certified. They need to be of uh, the medical grade. Uh, they need to be tested. You know, there are lots of tests uh, on on you know the electrical safety, on the sterilization, on usability, on electronics, uh, on software. So all these tests uh, need to be complied with. I would say yes. Keep that buffer time. I mean, it it took five years for this reason. Uh, it. So, so it it just takes time, and you have to be aware of that, and you need to budget that. So, I would say when you when you are you know taking that step forward to say that yes, I want to start a medical device company, keep that period in mind that it would take you four to five years. And of course, it is dependent on the class of device. So, uh, most of the regulatory bodies have different classification systems. Like C has a system, FDA has a system, based on what class of device you are in, and that is basically on based on the risk. Level of the device, uh, you know, the the amount of certification varies. So, but but no matter what, it would typically take between two to four years to devise to develop a device. That's quite a quite a quite a while. Yes. Uh, got that. Uh, so we have a question from the audience. Uh, Anand asks, uh, "What is your take on the recent uh, ventilator shortage in India, and our response to it, specifically uh, on the efforts uh, of quickly building affordable local uh, alternatives?" Yeah. So again, uh, to be honest. i am not really uh, for you know quickly building local alternatives so as as i mentioned before uh, you know if you you cannot save lives please ensure that you don't cause additional harm that is the fundamental primary humanitarian principle that anybody needs to follow by and abide by so so and i i support localization definitely i would definitely want everything to be localized in fact that is the reason that we created coelabs uh, was to have local solution which really target uh, the local audience but at the same time you also need to understand that it takes time and you know it cannot be overnight that you just create a problem you know get a few components from electronic markets and just combine them together and create something and just deploy that uh no it it needs to have that rigorous amount of testing rigorous amount of verification validation before it can go on a patient we have another question uh did you ever have to reevaluate the need for the product in the middle of the in the middle of development uh since the product development uh, uh sort of uh, uh, spans multiple years like it takes a lot of time to yes we we did have those moments of doubt of self doubt uh of saying what is really happening so the way we kind of uh, mitigated that was using the bio design process where it when we had a clear need statement uh and that was very well uh put in front of us what is the need our research was strong and that ensured that we always knew where we want to take it it did change like in sars we started out with building only a purely mechanical device but as we progressed over the years we we kind of added the electronic components we added the battery we added the compressor that happened 
because of changes in in the environment as well for five years back when we started out india was not 100% electrified people were having power cuts and shortages so you know just the manual mode was the optimal solution which people wanted but over the next 2 3 years you know things changed people said we have electricity uh, but you know like like electricity is there but now we want for transport and transport is longer durations and things like that so things evolved we had to do changes yeah but that's an, that's just part and parcel of the entire journey um so one other interesting thing that i find is like it took so long um so in this time like uh, like currently we have a lot of hardware prototyping centers in india like that's sort of available right now but i'm sure back when you're starting out there were very few of them so what challenges did you face in terms of pro- hardware prototyping and sort of uh, you know uh, even manufacturing like uh, were you able to easily find local partners or uh no it did take time we had to find manufacturers we kind of found a good ecosystem in bangalore and we were lucky to be in bangalore for that reasons uh yes but it did take a lot of time and the other thing was most of the manufacturers were not uh ready to to make products you know as good as required for the medical grade so so to comply to those standards was the big challenge you know to make proof of concept prototypes yes you can make them quickly uh you can you can show a prototype ready you know you demonstrate it not on patients but you know it works with on on the technical front but once you want to you know you know cross that bridge of saying it is a medical device that is when the real hurdle comes uh yes in the last 3 years there has been immense progress in that front but when we started out yes we had to face a lot of challenges thank you for that uh, so people uh, uh, please uh, send in your questions uh, we have nachiket with us for another 10 15 minutes and I, i i know he will be happy to answer any of your questions that you have uh, so uh, you can put them in the chat box uh, and last thing uh, does language play a role in ui ux is another question that we have yes language does play a role in ui ux unfortunately in india we still use english as the primary language for medical devices uh, it's just the regulation we we follow still the european regulation of ce and the us regulation of fda so so that kind of mandates those languages so english remains the language but uh, so say if you have to sell in european countries uh, a few of the countries have mandates to have all the ui ux and even you know the the uh the labels and uh the catalogs and the brochures in 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 the primary language that is not the case in india we don't require that uh kind of thing but at the same time we did create brochures in local languages to ensure that you know there was proper reach and we were able to really create that awareness Uh, another interesting uh, sort of thing that i find is uh, a lot of uh, like india as a market is very common to uh, a lot of the african markets and a lot of the south asian markets when it comes to sort of uh, electrification and a lot of the problems that we face are quite similar so any uh, plans to sort of uh, test this out there or uh, yes we are starting a small pilot in africa very soon uh, for the sars device so that is that is just i mean happening in next few months 
Great. Uh, I think uh, so. Uh, okay. So there's another question. Uh, what would you say is needed to aid development of medical devices from a product design and prototyping point of view, and a testing and validation point of view? From a from a product design and development point of view, I would say what is critically uh, not present right now in India is injection molding facilities of the precision which are required for medical design development. we had to go to china we kind of did a lot with indian manufacturers uh, the other thing that we really need to inculcate in the manufacturing is you know the right first time attitude putting a lot more emphasis on design on cad and ensuring that what you get out of the machine is actually good in the first shot and and not the you know trial and test approach that most of indian in indian manufacturers do you know just make a drawing put put in the cnc machine and then something is not correct the tolerances are not right and then they go back and this is what creates problems because you have not budgeted for time and when you lose that time uh, that hurts a lot more and from a testing and validation point of view oh yes uh, from a testing and validation standpoint uh, many more facilities have now come up there are a lot of notified bodies who have set shops in india so uh, that way you just need to find the right notified body for your testing and validation uh, and there are a lot of laboratories laboratories which are doing that i guess a few of the devices which are c of class 3 or you know the invasive ones uh those facilities are still not there but for the class 2s and low ones uh the facilities are pretty much there but there's like uh amtz which is happening in uh visakhapatnam which is like an entire zone for medical device development so which is a very good initiative of government of india and it has all the facilities to devise to design and develop medical devices that's great to hear i am sure a lot of the students that are in the in the uh, in the chat section will be happy to know that um so i think uh, if there are no more questions i would like to conclude the talk uh, thank you so much nashkit for for giving us your precious time and um, a, a lot of valuable information in the presentation and uh, um uh, so finally uh, if you would like to leave your email address in the chat section for yes definitely to sort of connect to you and thank you so much for giving me this opportunity and to share my thoughts and this is my email id uh, you can always reach out to me on this email id and i'll Got be happy to answer any of your questions perfect so again uh, thank you so much and uh, everybody uh, please feel free to sort of log on to uh, adi.org.in and check out our uh, our uh, subscription um, uh, and membership opportunities and also log into log on to instagram and sort of follow us there and i'm sure you can find nachika on instagram too uh, and uh, thank you so much again chiket for your time and uh, bye everyone thank you so much thank you so much bye everyone